Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Mark My Word is a message series designed to bring a Christ-centered focus into your life through the power of one word. Our speaker today is Senior Minister Dee Bacon. This is my uh, first time with you for 2019, so uh, I'd like to pray a blessing on you for the year. Is that okay? Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for this time we can share. Thanks that everyone's here that braved the elements and uh, chose to uh, get in the car and to uh, come here and to participate in worship. Thank you for the new year and for what lies ahead. What's exciting about it is to think that uh, you know what's ahead, that if we're faithful in our steps of obedience today, we can trust you in what comes tomorrow. And we get to walk with you, and we get to be with you in joy and in sorrow and struggle and in victory. We know that uh, your promises are true. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Thanks that we can hold on to it. Thanks that everyone is here. I pray a, pray a blessing on them. I pray that in their individual situations, you will, uh, they will hold on to you and will experience the full richness of your blessing in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm really excited about 2019. I'm thrilled by your pledge of faith. Thank you so much. Last year, you pledged by a vote. You affirmed your commitment by faith to support the 2019 budget, our plans and financial dreams to continue on the ministry here. You also affirmed overwhelmingly our three elders, Larry Elliott and Rick Hedger and Mike Butler. You said yes. We... Uh, support them as elders, and that I know is a blessing to them and will be a blessing to our church. I'm excited for 2019. It's a, it's a big year for me in, some, in many ways. First of all, it's the year I turn 50. Do I look like I'm going to be 50? Anyway, uh, it's the year I turn 50, but it's also the year in which I celebrate 20 years as serving as senior minister So uh, here at Mount Carmel, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, 20 years. Where did that go, Pam? Where did it go? You know, the thing about turning 50 is it doesn't feel like anything until I start thinking about my kids and my siblings and those around me. Like my mom, she's going to be 77. That's, wow. And my sister, my sister's going to be 42. And I say that, I'm like, she's going to be 42. My little sister's going to be 40. Man, I must be old. <laughs> my sister was a terror. I know. She was God's payment for me, I guess. <laughs> but she terrorized. Now, she was, she was fearless. She wanted to do everything I did. Of course, there's eight years between us. And so she thought, she believed she could swim where I swam, ran where I ran, uh, do the things I do. My mother comes from a little island in the middle of the Indian Ocean. We were on vacation there. The island's called Mauritius. You see there is a beautiful picture there. It's got the dodo bird. That's where the dodo bird was, and that's where the dodo bird became extinct. But also you can see the map there. It's just off the coast of Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. Mauritius is a beautiful little island, and uh, we were there on vacation visiting family. We are at this other little island swimming one day in the ocean, and the way it worked is this small island. We had to go out there, I think, by a ferry or something like that, and we were swimming and enjoying that, and there was this channel 
that I remember swimming in, and the channel kind of flowed out, and if you went to the left, you would be carried out to the open sea, and if you had to turn to the right in order to get back onto the beach so you could keep swimming in the channel and enjoying the ocean. Well, I was doing that, and my little sister, who must have been about four at the time, she decided she wanted to swim with Big Brother, and she was wearing, you know those cute little rings and with the vest the kids used to wear? Used to have a little thing, like a spike there that you had to use to blow them up. Well, and she was one of those. And so she ran in, jumped into the ocean. She jumped into the channel and having a good old time, big old smile, swimming away, thinking she's swimming with her brother. The unfortunate thing is that she was being carried out to sea. She didn't have the skill to know to turn to the right so that she could turn to where she needed to be on the beach. She was going to the left. And she was totally oblivious. She was totally unaware, swimming around, paddling, thinking she was with her brother, totally unaware of the fact that uh, she wasn't going where she wanted to go. She was being carried by the current. She was adrift in the current, going out to a dangerous place. Thankfully, I noticed her. Thankfully, I recognized the plight that was going on, and I swam out to her, and I dragged her back and kept her safe. Uh, I said, you do it again, I'm letting you go back out there. Uh, no. Nah. I was a good big brother sometimes. You know, there's a, a wonderful picture in the Bible. It's found in two places in the New Testament. Describing a situation of individuals who are going through life being adrift. Going through life, operating in life, thinking they're going where they want to go or doing what they want to do, but the reality is, is they're just going with the flow, and that flow is taking them to a place they don't want to go, a place of destruction. One image has to do with being a ship without a rudder, a ship that has no means of steering and is just being blown by the wind wherever the wind takes them. And that application has to do with Christians, Jesus followers, who are not growing up in the faith and not being grounded in the Word, and therefore their attentions are easily captured by false teachings, things that tickle their ears, slick presentations of people who have bad intentions but are selling them a bill of goods to lead them to a place of destruction a place that does not give them life. And because they're not grounded in the Word of God and because they're unfamiliar with what God's truth says, they're easily taken by falsities. That person is like a ship without a rudder. They're out of control and they're being carried away to a place they don't want to go. There's another image in the Bible that's somewhat similar. It's about a wave that's just out in the ocean being blown around by the wind. It's a wave that's part of the ocean, but the idea is that it's just going wherever the wind blows it, and it has no real control, has no real purpose. And this image has to do with a person who does not have faith in their prayer, a person who's encouraged to pray for wisdom, but they don't really believe that God is going to give to them what they're asking. And that person, James who's the writer of that letter, says that person's like a wave being tossed around, going wherever the wind or the powers around them take them. That person is a person living life without a sense of direction and a sense of control and a sense of well-grounding, knowing where, who they are and where they're going. And, and that's not what God wants for our life. That's not what God desires for us. When God enters into our life, we're given 
a purpose. In fact, if you want to continue on with the, the image of a ship, in many ways God enters into our life and, and we have a captain, the captain's name Jesus. And Jesus gives us instruction as we share, steer the ship of our life with, with a rudder to the places that he directs us. And when we follow him, when we walk with him, when we follow his word and live by his will, he leads us to the place we, we have life. It may be hard, it may be trouble, troubling sometimes, it may be difficult, but ultimately if we walk with God, we have purpose in life. Someone said a man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder. And ultimately we gain purpose, we gain direction into our days and into our lives when we give ourselves to listening to the voice of our captain as he gives us direction. The problem is, is that I know I have a hard time listening to the captain. And I suspect you do too. The problem of our world today is that we're so busy. There's so much noise going on. There's so many things coming at us. We're constantly being pulled here, pulled there, thinking that we're doing what we want to do. But in reality, we, we don't really hear from, from the captain. And because we don't hear from the captain, we might as well be that ship without a rudder. We might as well be that, that wave that's just being blown here and there, wherever it's going to go. And we find ourselves in situations where the noise and the busyness of our world drowns out our ability to hear God's word, our ability to be open to his directives, our ability to live by the purposes that he wants for us. And you're like, well, how do I know that's happening in my life? Well, I know it because if I'm really honest, Things are happening to me that are unsettling. And I, I came up with, with this little exercise. Six Ds, six Ds that show stops happening, that maybe you are living like a ship without a rudder. Maybe you're feeling disquiet. Disquiet means uneasy, lacking confidence, anxious. It's interesting that anxiety seems to be the number one thing I hear people talk about these days, anxiety, depression. Well, that all comes from this sense of disquiet. Maybe it's you're distracted. You know, a distracted person is a person that can't give you their attention for 20 seconds. Their mind is always bouncing from one thing to the other. You're in a conversation with them, and they start talking to you, and then as soon as you start talking to them, you can tell that their mind has gone somewhere else. A person that can't seem to focus on the present, a person that does not live where their feet are, they're always thinking about something beyond. Maybe you're disconnected. Disconnected is a relational thing. You're disconnected from God. You sense that God is far, and maybe he, 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 you know He wants good for you, but you just don't feel connected to Him. And that disconnected feeling it relates to the important relationships of your life, that you're going through life and, and with your spouse, and, and you're all busy, 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 and it seems like you're just living together side by side, and you're not really connected with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your family. You're living disconnected. Maybe it's that you're discouraged, a constant state of being down. Anything good in your life, you tend to think about, okay, when's the shoe going to drop and it's going to be bad? You're discouraged. You're discouraged. You have no courage. That's what it means to be discouraged. You don't have the courage to do what's right. You're more than willing just to sit back and go with the flow, even though the flow is taking you where you don't want to go. Hey, I'm starting to rhyme. Maybe you're drained. Maybe you're drained. 
drained. No energy to do what you need to do. Life is about avoiding things that are heavy to you. Life's avoiding anything that demands more energy. And no, even though you're living off coffee and, and monster drinks and whatever stimulants you're pouring down your throat, or maybe, unfortunately, sniffing up your nose, you're drained. You have no energy to do what's needed to be done to have life. Maybe you're disorientated. Disorientation describes a situation where you don't know where you're going. You're more confused than you'd like to be. You're always asking, what's happening? I don't understand. I don't have a sense of, of purpose. I don't have a sense of confidence in the steps that I'm making. I'm disorientated. If you're experiencing any of this, it's perhaps, it's perhaps because you're in a condition where you're living life like a ship without a rudder. You're being a wave that's being tossed about in the sea. You have no sense of God's word in your life and a confidence that you can stand on God's word. I know what God says, and I know what he says for me, and I can live by his will because I have heard from the captain of my ship, and I know where he's calling me. And even though he may take me places that, that, that I may not have chosen myself, places that are challenging and difficult, I'm confident in that. Distra disquiet, distracted, disconnected, discouraged, drained. Is that you? Is that you? This is where I'm thankful for this process that we're going through going through finding your word, one word that will change your life, the process of seeking God and a word that will capture perhaps what it is that he is saying to you for your life this year. I'm thankful for God's word that speaks to us, and I'm thankful for this process that we're going to go through in finding your word. If you've got the book, you'll know that step one in this process of finding the word, being able to train yourself to hear from God, step one is to prepare your heart to look in. Prepare your heart to look in. You know, I, I say prepare your heart, and I have to tell you, my mind goes to a story that Jesus once told. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 13, and it's also recorded in other places in the gospel, but Matthew chapter 13. Jesus told a story regarding the different kinds of response we could expect when he shares the Word of God. It's a story that involves a farmer sowing seed on various types of soil, and it's really, we call it the parable of the seeds, but it's actually the parable, the story of the soils, because the soils describe the condition of the heart of the person that receives God's Word, and the condition of the heart determines whether or not the seed takes root and produces a harvest, a crop to be harvested, a life change, a transformation from the inside out. And if you remember, Jesus tells a story and he describes four kinds of soil. He said, first of all, there's the hard soil. And he said, the hard soil represents the heart that's completely closed, the person that is resistant and rejects outright the communication from God, the Word of God. 
He said, this hard soil, the, the seed doesn't even have a chance to, to get in, and the enemy, he says, like a bird, comes and plucks it away. That person walks in life without being open at all to the Word of God. Then he said it was the shallow soil, right? Shallow soil. There's some soil, but it's hard underneath it. And because it's shallow, when, when the seed takes root, it germinates quickly, and everyone's excited, and there's a whole bunch of enthusiasm for God in their life. But because it's shallow, the roots don't have a way to get deep, and because they can't get deep, they are unable to sustain the growth and strength of the plant, and eventually, when the inevitable trials of life, the sun bears down and, and the elements pour out on the plant, it's unable to continue to grow because they're in shallow soil, the roots aren't deep, and, and this represents, in my mind, the, the disquiet heart, Right? The, the person that is so racked with anxiety and, and fear and, and worry and, and just the burdens of life that they're unable to allow the Word of God to penetrate deep to produce a harvest because they're always worried about comfort and fear and risk and, and trusting in God. Then there's the, the cluttered soil or the soil that's weed-filled. Jesus said, this is the soil that has weeds and tears in it, and the seed lands on some soil, it starts to grow, but because there's weeds and, and thorns all around, those weeds and thorns are allowed to choke out the good plant, choke out the, the plant that comes from the seed, and eventually strangles it out and kills it. And this is the distracted heart. This is the person that is, that is distracted by all sorts of things in their life. They have more than, than just the Word of God in their heart, but all sorts of other things that they give their attention to and they worship in many ways and they value in other ways. And these things that are in their, their lives that are cluttering up their heart, choking out the seed. And then finally, he said, there's the good soil. And what is the good soil? Well, a good soil is loose. It's deep. It's clear of weeds and thorns. And Jesus said, when the seed lands in the good soil, guess what? The seed does what it does. It grows deep and it produces a harvest 30, 60, 100 times. The image here is of the good soil, the Word of God in the heart of an individual grows and transforms their life and produces a harvest, an evidence of God at work in their life. If we would say a person living with a, with a, a ship, with a rudder, following God's will, having life that God promises. The question I ask then is, well, if this is a description of hearts, if this is a description of people, how they receive the Word of God, well, how do, how, how do we get to the good soil? I mean, how do we get to good soil? Well, and I know I'm not necessarily follow along with the parable here, but common sense will tell you the way you get to good soil is you've got a farmer who puts in some work, right? Hard soil is broken up with a plow or a hoe. It's deepened through the tilling and the turning up. It's cleared out by weeding and rocks pulled out that, that would bring any kind of difficulty. How do we get to good soil? Well, it's done by an effort, and that effort has to involve preparation. It's prepared, right? We prepare the soil to receive the seed so that we might have a good harvest. That's what we do. 
And a question I'd like to ask is if our first step in this entire challenge of receiving God's Word and, mind you, training ourselves, because it's not just about getting your Word, but it's also going through an exercise that hopefully will train you to commit to something that you will do on a regular basis, daily basis, learning to, to hear God's Word so that you can live by God's will. How do we prepare our heart to receive the seed of God's Word? How do we do that? What do we do in order to become good soil and to stay good soil? Well, I'm thankful for the example of Jesus. I'm thankful for the example of Jesus recorded for us in the Bible. You know, Jesus, when he began his ministry, endured the temptation that we endure, the temptation of busyness. He started his ministry, and all of a sudden, whew, instant fame. Instant fame, thousands of people coming to see him regularly, constantly, seeking something from him, looking for his attention, wanting to hear what he had to say, wanting to have his hands laid upon them so that they would be healed. Thousands of people came around constantly. It was busy, busy, busy. It was demanding. If anyone could have been tempted to be snagged, by busyness, and therefore have the Word of God be drowned out, have his heart not been open, I think it could have been Jesus. Yet we see time and time again recorded for us in the Gospels occasions of Jesus giving himself to a practice that prepared his heart. If you would follow along with me, let me read you a couple of those texts. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more, him being Jesus, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Here it is. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. It says this. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to that. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, a lonely place, a place with no distraction, where he prayed. How do we prepare our hearts? We look to Jesus and we see that Jesus made it a habit to be alone with God. God. Jesus made it a habit to find a place where he could be quiet. See, we are uncomfortable with quiet, aren't we? He found a place where we, he could be quiet with God. He found a place where he could be open to God. He found a place in which, in his openness, he could be still and he could be attentive to God. And I think in that place, it's a place where the good soil of our hearts 
can be tendered so that we can be open to hear God's word. Our first step is to prepare our heart. How do we prepare our heart? We find a place. Find a place to be quiet. Can you find a place to be quiet? Don't shake your head no, because I know you can. Find a place where there is no distractions. Find a place where you do not bring your phone and do not have any noise. And I know it may be difficult because while you're sitting there, you might have more noise going on in your head and you might be fidgety. But I promise you, if you persevere in doing it on a regular basis, you will find quiet. I have a chair. Be honest with you, sometimes I have to turn off everything in the car, and my car, my drive to work is my time to be quiet. And I'm quiet. In your quiet place, it's also a, a time to give yourself to openness. How do we open our hearts to God? Well, first, we got to practice listening. The people I love, I recognize their voice. Well, most of the time. Do you remember the story I told you that one time I was working late in the office, busy in the office, someone called the office. I hear this woman's voice speaking on the other line. She just starts talking about stuff, and I'm listening, and I'm like, what? And I eventually say, I I'm sorry, uh, who is this? And there's a silence, and she goes, your wife? <laughs> it's only happened every one time. People we love, we recognize their voice. We recognize their intonation. We recognize how they say the words they say. We recognize their accent. And how is it that we recognize their voice? Well, we spend time listening to them. We spend time in conversation with them. Well, how do we have a conversation with God? He doesn't speak to me audibly. Well, yes, he does. Many times you just don't hear it. And if you want to train your ear to hear the voice of God, to hear his accent, to hear his intonation, to hear what he has to say, well, what he's given you is a book called the Bible that contains his word. And if you invest yourself in reading the Bible and learning the word of God and beginning to understand what he says and how he says it and what his values are and the things that he will speak to, guess what will happen? You will begin to be educated in hearing and attuning your ear of, the, and of your heart to the word of God. So why do we read our Bible? We don't read our Bible just to go from chapter 1 to chapter 2 to chapter 3. No, we read our Bible so that we might learn to hear the Word of God, and that when He speaks to us directly, we will be able to say, ooh, that's God, I better pay attention. When you find a place of quiet, find a place where you can open your heart. Read the Word, and then read the Word with an openness. Read the Word not to get it done, but read with the Word with the prayer. Lord, open my heart. Help me to submit myself to you. I'm so quick. I'm so quick to talk and so slow to listen. I, I sometimes just can't hear what you have to say. Just speak to me here and allow, I submit to, to what I'm reading, to, what I'm, I'm, to this moment, to you. Be quiet, be open, and be attentive. You cannot listen if you're always talking. And sometimes the best prayer moments is not you continuing to list all your stuff and then saying, bye-bye. God is not the great ATM in the sky where you dial up a prayer and get out a blessing. Include being quiet in your moment. Not speaking, just listening. 
being quiet and being attentive. In that moment, listen for what God has to say. Find a place to be quiet. Find a place to be open. Find a place to be attentive. And when you do this, in this process of discovering your word, when you do this in a regular basis as Jesus modeled, you prepare your heart for the word of God. This lady called Megan McKenna told a story. I've modified the story a little bit here, but it's a story I think that important to hear. She tells a story about this woman who was seeking joy. She was seeking joy in the world. She was seeking joy in her own life, but she was very disappointed because we don't live in a joy-filled world. Read the papers, hear the news, talk to people. It's not joy-filled. She went to a mall once, and she was just kind of walking around, looking in the shops, decided to go into a shop randomly, and when she went in, she recognized this guy standing there, and she's like, that guy looks like Jesus. And she kept looking at him, looking at him, looking, and eventually she just walked up to him and said, um, are you Jesus? He said, ha, how do you go? Yes, I'm Jesus. She said, well, what are you doing? Are you, like, work here? He, he said, no, I, I own the place, of course. <laughs> Son of God. Universe, all that. Okay, I own the place. Well, what kind of store is this? Well, the store where you can get anything you want, your heart's desire. Really? Anything? Yeah, really. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Nah. Trust me. Walk around the aisles. Check it out. I tell you what. You walk the aisles, and you have to make a list. Anything you see on that you'd like, you tell me. You bring that list back to me. Jesus said. And I'll see what I can do for you. Sure. She started walking the aisles. Oh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Faith, hope, and love. Oh. Forgiveness, redemption, the promise of a healthy marriage and, and, and the rearing of godly children. Freedom from the addiction Restoration of brokenness, healing. It was all there. She made her list, and it was a long list, and she went back to Jesus. Here it is. I'm ready. He looked at the list. That's pretty impressive. And then he went down, and he looked in his drawers, and he pulled out some packages. He said, what are this? What are these? They're seed packets. What do you mean? I don't get the, the finished product. I don't get those things that I've listened. No, you get the seed. I give you the seed. And you plant the seed in your heart, in good soil. And they produce a harvest. See, that's how it works. This is a shop of promise, of faith. So you're in that store, and the question is, do you take the seed? And the question is, is the seed going to grow? Prepare your heart. It's step one of our process of discovering your word. Prepare your heart. Look in. Finding a place to be quiet. Finding a place to be 
open, finding a place to be attentive. It's, it's, it's good in this process as we work through the book. But it's also something that I think we're going through this practice, not so we can find our word and be done with it. No, it's a practice that I hope that you will begin to make a habit and you will make it something that you invest in. And like Jesus, you will be described as someone who regularly went quiet so that your heart would be prepared to hear God's word. Because when in hearing God's word, in hearing God's word is the beginning place of germinating the seed of life transformation. So do you take the seed and is the heart ready? Is your heart ready? Will you prepare your heart? Will you give yourself to be in that good soil? The one thing we want you to know, to hear from God, our hearts must be prepared. And God has given you all that you need. He's given you an example. He's given you his spirit. He's given you a community of faith to help you prepare your heart to hear his word. We're going to wrap things up, and I'm going to ask that uh, we stand. You can stand up. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask now that uh, those uh, who are members of our prayer team come forward. These guys are going to be available to you if you have a prayer need. If you would like to make a decision regarding your next steps of faith. It was so awesome to come to church last week, third service, and to witness a baptism. Uh, a young lady named Amber, we don't have the pictures for you, but Amber was baptized, and I was like, yeah, wow, I should come to church like this more often, right? It was great. If that's what you would want, then talk to these guys. They can direct you in doing that. After I pray, though, you may be wondering, what's this stuff up front? What we've done is we've put in little packets um, some good soil, little packets of good soil, fertile soil, open soil. And I'm going to encourage you after we pray, feel free to come down and grab a packet of soil, just one. Grab a packet of soil, and maybe you can hold that packet as a reminder or maybe as a pledge of your commitment to prepare your heart and to give yourself to the practice of preparing your heart by being quiet with God and being open to God and being attentive to God on a regular basis. Take a piece of, uh, of soil as a reminder that the seed needs good soil to grow. And that the temptations to harden and the temptation to, to be shallow and the temptation to be cluttered with distraction, those things require a commitment to keep out, to stay away. The good soil comes by cultivation and work. And so take a packet as a reminder of your commitment to open your heart so that you might be prepared to hear from God. Let's pray. Thanks so much, Lord, for this time together. And thanks so much for everyone here again. Pray that uh, you would just speak to us. And uh, hopefully our hearts are open. And as we're reminded of... Uh, having our hearts prepared as we maybe take a packet of, of this good soil. We are reminded of the story of Jesus. And help us, Lord, help us, Lord, in this world of busyness and distraction to take the example of Jesus as a practice for our life, to regularly be quiet, to regularly be open, 
to regularly be attentive to your word, to your voice. Lord, those who are here that perhaps uh, come to a point where they want to receive the, the, the seed, the gift of life that Jesus gives to them, we saw this happen in Amber last week. It can happen again today. If they so are led by that, I pray that you speak to them now and give them the courage to talk to one of us up front and to say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I believe. And we can guide them in that next step and rejoice at their baptism. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.